Hello and thank you for joining Cornerstone Worship Center's Building a Better Life. For more information about our church, service times, and resources, we invite you to check us out on the web at www.abetterlifecore.us. Measure yourself against the Apostle Paul. He was the Apostle to the Gentiles. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. He's going to teach us how to follow Jesus. Some folks think they can follow Jesus without knowing what Paul taught us. I'm serious. There are people who believe that. I, not, not, not long ago, I said, I said to somebody, I said, but, but you need to know what the Apostle Paul taught. He said, well, I don't care what Paul taught. I care what Jesus taught. I said, I don't think I've ever heard more pagan arrogance in my entire life. Huh? Jesus told the Apostle Paul what to teach us. Don't act like you know. Don't act like you know because you can't know. There are too many things in there. What does it mean? Right hand, right eye. You've heard me talk about it. What does it mean? We only learn what these things mean. We only learn the spiritual applications when we hear what the, what the Lord Jesus told Paul to teach us Gentiles. Praise God. And I'm thankful for that. You have to keep reading the book. And here's, he brings us some really powerful truths in here. It is human nature. I want you to hear this. It is human nature for a man or a woman to compare themselves to others. Huh? Men walk in and say, I could take him. <laughs> Women walk in, oh my God, she's wearing my dress. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad I didn't wear that. Huh? Huh? Call each other. Well, what are you wearing? Well, I'm, I'm wearing, are you wearing the pumps? No. Wearing jeans and boots. Are you kidding? Well, then if you're wearing it, I'm wearing it. Why? Why? Don't, you don't, don't want there to be too much division in the comparisons. And we're so petty about these comparisons. And, it, and I mean, that's kind of trivial. But when it works its way into the church, well, how big is your church? That's what preachers do. The first thing they want to know, how big is your church? Uh, bigger than yours. It's just so childish. What difference does that make? Really, what difference does it make? How big was Jesus' church at the end? Huh? Eleven guys. And they were jumping ship like rats. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Even his best ones were started cussing. Yeah, I mean, even his best ones started cussing and acting and saying, I don't know him. You know, while the rooster's clearing his throat. Verse 13. But we will not boast of things without our measure, but according to the measure of the rule of which God hath distributed to us a measure to reach even unto you. I want to read these next few verses. I want to back up and read verse 13. Uh, 14, 15, what have you, uh, in the Amplified Version, if you don't mind. We, on the other hand, he says, will not boast beyond our legitimate province 
and proper limit, but we will keep within the limits of our commission, which God has allotted us as our measuring line, and which reaches and includes even you. Now, what he's really saying to this Corinthian church is, hey, look, God sent us to you. We're not overreaching into other people's ministries. We're not trying to tell uh, you know, you what to do as though we had no authority. I mean, we got to you first. That's what he actually says in verse 14. For we are not overstepping the limits of our province and stretching beyond our ability to reach as though we reached not, that is, had no uh, legitimate mission to you. For we were the very first to come even as far as to you with the gospel, with the good news of Christ. This is, that was verse 14. He said, look, we got to you first. We're not, I'm not the one usurping here. I'm not the one overstepping any bounds. Remember from last week we talked about the fact that Paul was being challenged. He still gets challenged all the time. He still gets challenged all the time. Now, people who don't have enough brain cells to figure it out. That he was the apostle to the Gentiles. He gets challenged all the time. He got challenged then. And he was almost always challenged by people who were more of the Jewish persuasion. Sometimes by the, by the pagan persuasion, but it was often by the Jewish persuasion that wanted to track him down and do him harm. Sometimes, and I'm not saying that the Christians of that day, the Jewish Christians of that day wanted to do him harm, but many of them did not like what he said. In fact, when he got to Jerusalem, the Jewish Christians were up in arms over Paul. They were mad. Okay? And so James and the others bring him in and say, we really need you to act like a Jew while you're here. <laughs> it's okay, I'll do that. Huh? How many of you know he resisted it, though? I'm going to tell you why I know he resisted it. The Jews didn't have a big problem being Hellenists. The Hellenist Jews, now there, there was some division between the Hellenist Jews and the normal Jews. There was some division. That sounds like a Pentecostal church next door, doesn't it? <laughs> there was some division between the Hellenists. Come on up here, Brother Alfred. Sit right here on the front row. Be my guest. There, there was some division between them. As you'll remember in Acts chapter 6, it's why we elected deacons in the first church. We had to elect deacons because there was a division between the, you know, the, the Hellenist Jews and the, and the non-Hellenist Jews. And what a Hellenist is, a Hellenist is a Greek. But now they were Greek in culture, but they were Jewish by blood, okay? So they were, they were called Greeks sometimes, but they were Greek Jews, okay? They were actually Jewish, but they were of the Greek culture. The Greek culture, Alexander the Great had done exactly what he wanted to do. He wanted to make the whole world Greek, and he basically did make all of Western Europe especially and Southern Europe Greek. In fact, we still have a Greek mindset in the way we think. Did you know that? Did you know that the Hebrews have no word for presence? They never, ever would say the presence of the Lord. You know what they say? The face of the Lord. They have no word for power. Their word for power is the word yod, Y-A-D. It also is their word for hand. See, it's a very concrete language. I mean, it's concrete. Whereas, whereas Greek is more ethereal, more abstract, therefore more spiritual. I know, don't throw anything at me, I'm just telling you. More able to communicate spiritual terms than was Hebrew. First the natural, the Old Testament, then the 
supernatural, then the spiritual, see? It was God's idea to write the New Testament in Greek. And in the early days, it, was, it wasn't unheard of for many Jewish families to have boys, boys with Greek names. Like, uh, well, Peter's name is a Hebrew name. Shimon, Simon. Shimon, it's just, it's just Simeon. It's a derivative of Simeon. His great-great-great-great-grandfather back there, one of, one of Jacob's sons. He was actually Jacob's second-born son. Okay, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, uh, Dan and Naphtali, Gad and Asher, Issachar, uh, Zebulun, Joseph and Benjamin. Did I say them all? I think that was 12 of them. They, uh, they, uh, they all had good Hebrew names, you know, but, but now you get to Peter's family. He had Shimon, Simon, which was a Hebrew name. But uh, he had a little brother. Remember Peter's brother's name? Andrew? Andrew was Peter's brother. Andrew's no ways close to a Hebrew name. That's an all-out, pure, unadulterated Greek name. Nobody in the Old Testament anywhere had the name Andrew or anything like it. It's a Greek name. So even in Peter's own family, in fact, two or three of the disciples had Greek names. Are you following me? So it wasn't a terrible offense. What does the Apostle Paul come along and do? He changes his name. He had a perfectly good Hebrew name. His name was Shaul or Saul. Shaul. Huh? That's a perfectly good Hebrew name. In fact, you name it after the first king of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, which Paul was of the tribe of Benjamin. He's got a perfectly good Hebrew name. But he changes his name. To what? A Greek name? Not exactly. He changed his name to a name from the same people that the Jews despised. Like I would never name a kid Joe Feisman Holler quarterback of the Washington Redskins I almost have to spit every time I say Redskins I'm a cowboy fan I don't like the Washington Redskins I don't like the 49ers I don't like all them bums I'm a cowboy fan I don't care who likes it or who don't my opinion I'm sticking to it listen to me listen to me but the Jews hated the Romans a thousand times more than you hate your worst football team a thousand times more. They hated the Romans. They were rebellious against the Romans. And for this Jew to select a name, Paulos, a Roman name, are you kidding? Why would he do that? To spew it in their face or just to identify with the worst of the worst? Just to, he just identifying with the worst of the worst. He could have taken a name from any culture, but he took one from the most hated culture by the Jews and by the way and by the way for the most part that from what I've learned the feeling was mutual (laughs) they hated them and they hated them and here's the apostle Paul taking this giant step across because here's a man who counted his heritage nothing but dung that he might win Christ and that he might bring us 
to Christ. You ought to say, thank God for Paul. <laughs> I'm serious. Now, we don't worship Paul. Relax. We worship Jesus. Paul taught us about Jesus. But I'm just saying, we've got to get this revelation down and what this man taught us. I mean, it wasn't, I didn't pick him to write the Bible. Did you pick him to write the Bible, Brother Alfred? Miss Ann, were you the one to pick Paul to write all this in the Bible? Huh? Miss Angelica, did you pick Paul to write? Huh? Brandon back there, did you pick the Apostle Paul to do all this writing in the Bible? Was he a chosen vessel unto you? Yeah, well, he is now, but I mean, you aren't, you're not the one that picked him as a chosen vessel. Huh? Brother John, did you pick the Apostle Paul to do all this? No, who did? Jesus did on a very special moment on the road to Damascus. Jesus is the one that picked him said, he's a chosen vessel unto me. And Ananias, when Jesus told Ananias to go talk to him, he said, no, wait a minute. <laughs> I've heard about this guy. Do you not read the papers, Jesus? He hates us and we hate him. <laughs> we don't really hate him. We're Christians. We don't really hate anybody, but we are afraid of him. He hates us. We're afraid of him. And I'm supposed to go, just in case, just in case you hadn't heard, I've heard many things. That's what he said. I've heard many things about this guy. That'd be like the Lord telling you. That would be just like the Lord telling you to get on an airplane and go talk to Ahmadinejad about Jesus. It's a suicide mission is what that is. Hmm. I didn't pick Paul. I wouldn't have picked him. I'd have picked somebody I liked. <laughs> Jesus just went out there and found his worst enemy and said, You! <laughs> Shine real bright and he just fell off his horse. <laughs> Who, me? Huh? <laughs> I'm going to show you what it's like to be on the receiving end of all your dishing out here, boy. And along with, that, I'm, along with that, I'm going to give you the greatest revelation that mankind has ever seen. That the gospel's going to the whole world. Whew, I just love that. So Paul's saying, look, I haven't, I haven't reached out there. I haven't, I haven't gone beyond my measure. I was called to you and I got there first. Don't be telling me that I don't have a right. Verse 15. We do not boast, therefore, beyond our what? proper limit. I'm reading from the Amplified. Uh, over other men's labors, but we have the hope and confident expectation. The hope and the confident expectation that as your faith continues to grow, our field among you may be greatly enlarged. Did you know that even in the early days, people were expected to grow their faith? Paul expected the church to grow its faith. And he says, as long as your faith is continuing to grow. Man, I find Christians all over everywhere that their faith is stunted because somebody told them, all you need is just a tiny little speck and you can move mountains. So don't try to grow it because all you need is a tiny little bitty speck to move mountains. I said, all you need is a tiny... What false doctrine have you been reading? The Bible doesn't teach that you just need a tiny little speck to move mountains. Read 1 Corinthians 13, what the Apostle Paul said. He said, though I had all faith so that I could remove mountains. Mountain moving faith in a tiny little speck. Jesus, when he gave the seed, when he gave the mustard seed teaching, he was saying, it's like a mustard seed, which when it is planted, grows. 
Into a mighty city. He's not saying all you need is a tiny little speck to move mountains. He's saying even though your faith starts out small, if you'll grow it. Can I have a good amen here in this house? Glory to God. Just one way to grow it. Feed it, feed it what started it. Feed it the word. Oh, you need tiny little speck. No, you need to grow that stuff. Ridiculous. Pardon me. Fertilize it with the word, glory to God. Water it with the Holy Ghost. Praying in other tongues. Building yourself up on your most holy faith. Hey, I got my faith message in tonight. You knew I would. Continues to grow. Our field among you may be greatly enlarged still within the limits of our commission. So that we may even preach the gospel in lands lying beyond you without making a boast of work already done in another man's sphere of activity before we came on the scene. Well, are you still with me there in verse 16? Now let's go to 17. However, let him who boasts and glories, boast and glory in the Lord. For it is not the man who praises and commends himself who's approved and accepted, but it is the person whom the Lord uh, accredits and commends. I want you to remember that statement. I want you to remember that statement. Who has it in a different translation? Who has it in the King James? Right, right here. Brenda, read that last verse, verse 18. Okay, not he who commends himself, but the one whom the Lord commends. All right, who has a different translation? Who has something else? Let's hear it from the Living Bible. Somebody asked Billy Graham, said, have you read the Living Bible? He said, well, he said, yeah. They said, well, it just came out. He said, well, I've had one for 50 years. (laughs) All right, go ahead. Okay, so I want you to remember this thought. Not those who commend themselves, but those whom the Lord commends. How does the Lord commend somebody? How does the Lord commend a ministry? There are a number of ways, but the primary way is with signs following. There must be some kind of signs following that makes it obvious it's God. There must be sometimes when the pastor stands up and says, we have a miracle. There must be sometimes when the pastor comes up and says, we received our first million dollar gift, praise God. Uh, huh? There must be sometimes when, when we have testimonies of people who've gotten healed because of the message we're preaching. There must be some evidence that folks get saved when the message is being preached. I mean, there has to be something that the Lord is commending you with signs following. Are you hearing me? I know I'm sticking my neck out there, but I want my neck out there. I don't want to just be a, a, the president of the Rotary Club for Pete's sake. This is a living organism that should be changing the world. Amen. 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 Rises and it starts and falls with our leadership. Now look, chapter 11. I want to read chapter 11 to you, but I'm going to go back to the King James Version of the Bible to do it. Wait till you hear chapter 11 read. With it in mind, 
that what men were doing was comparing themselves to the Apostle Paul. I mean, not, not to the Apostle Paul, but with each other and trying to commend themselves to this church. And so this church began to compare all the things that these people were saying about themselves and making Paul look small. Are you, are you hearing? Have you, have you caught this, the gist of this whole teaching so far? Now watch what it says here. Would to God, you're going to get a bunch of sarcasm out of these next two chapters. I mean mounds of sarcasm. I've never read anything more sarcastic in my whole life. And part of this is not the Lord talking. And the Apostle Paul tells us straight up, this is not God talking. So we have to trust that Jesus did call the Apostle Paul and give him the right to sometimes just go off on people. He says it right here in the book. <laughs> I'm going to tell you something. If I'm standing in a room and the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter are having it out, I do not want to take sides against Paul. I don't care if Peter did make him drop dead. I don't care. I don't care. I'm not taking sides against that Apostle Paul. Because when he and Paul, when he and Peter had it out, Peter's the guy that changed. He was the guy who backed down. He was the guy who admitted that what Paul said was from God. And don't forget that the writers of the New Testament were still men. Their ideas did not mix into the revelation unless they tell us it does. Everybody hearing me? And when they tell us that this is them talking, you'll, you'll see. Would to God you would bear with me a little in my foolishness, my folly. And indeed, bear with me. This is not God talking. I want you to understand this. He's about to get real foolish with me. He's going to start talking to them the way the other guys talk. This is the way the fools talk. For I am jealous over you, and with not, not yet. <laughs> this is still good stuff. For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not preached, whom we have not preached, whom we have not preached, or if, he, if you receive another spirit which ye have not received, or another gospel which ye have not accepted, you might well... My machine has locked up for some reason. I need a King James Version of the Bible. Yeah. I don't know what's up with it. You might well bear with him. What verse is it? And having in a readiness. No, 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 no. We're in verse 11. For I suppose I was not a whit behind the very chiefest of apostles, but though I be rude in speech. Yet, yeah, see, he didn't think he was rude in speech. Huh? Verse 6, but though I be rude in speech, is that right? Yet not in knowledge, but we have been thoroughly made manifest among you in all things. Have I committed an offense 
in abasing myself that you might be exalted because I have preached to you the gospel of God freely. I robbed other churches, taking wages of them to do you service. And when I was present with you and wanted, I was, I was chargeable to no man. That is, he said, I, I didn't, it didn't cost anybody anything. For that which was lacking to me, the brethren which came from Macedonia supplied in all the things I have kept myself from being burdensome unto you, and so will I keep myself, as the truth of Christ is in me. No man shall stop me of this boasting in the regions of Achaia. Paul boasting? Are you kidding? He said, he said up front, he said, bear with me in my folly. Now I'm going to talk the way the fools talk. He says this over and over throughout this passage. Watch. Verse 11. Wherefore, because I love you not, God knows. But what? But what I do, that I will do, that I may cut off occasion from them which desire occasion, that wherein they glory, they may be found even as we. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Now, you know, see, he's, he's saying true things, but this is not like Paul to say these kind of things. Are you hearing me? Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed into the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. I say again, let no man think me a fool, if otherwise, yet as a fool receive me, for I may boast myself a little. Are you getting this? Hear what he really says. That which I speak, I speak it not after the Lord, but as it were, foolishly, in this confidence of boasting. You're going to understand what he's really saying here in these, these passages. And he, and he tells you when he finishes talking like a fool. But it's way deep. It's clear into chapter 12 before he does. It's actually late in chapter 12. Listen to this. Uh, that which I speak, I speak it at, not after the Lord, but as it were, foolishly, in this confidence of boasting. Seeing that many glory after the flesh, I'll glory also. For you suffer fools, you allow fools gladly. Seeing you yourselves are so wise. You hear the sarcasm? For you suffer if a man bring you into bondage. If a man devour you, if a man take of you, if a man exalt himself, if a man smite you on the face, I speak as concerning reproach, as though we had been weak, howbeit, wheresoever, whereinsoever, any is bold, I speak foolishly, I'm bold also. He's saying, here's how fools talk. They brag on how bold they are. They brag on the authority they have over you. Listen to this. Are they Hebrews? So am I. How many times does he have to tell us he's talking like fools talk before we get what he's really doing here? Listen to it. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Huh? He already said, I'm not talking like this. This is not the Lord talking. This is just me talking like these fools that you've been listening to. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I mean, how many times have you got to tell us this is all foolish talk? How many times have you read it and not seen it? Come on, let me see your hands. You read it and not, not known what he was talking about. That's why we do this. I am more. 
in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft of the Jews five times. Do you see this? All this really happened. All this stuff actually happened to him. And preachers have gone on and on and on about the necessity of telling people how hard things can be. When Paul said, no, this is our fool's talk, you fools. Bring me that starving little baby from that mission field so I can rent some more money out of these folks. Let me show them how I've suffered. Oh, I've so suffered. Oh, I was dragged down the road. I was tied to the stake. I was shipwrecked. It might all be true, but only fools go around talking about it all the time. I'm not making this up. I'm just reading you the Bible. <laughs> of the Jews, five times received I 40 stripes, save one. Three times I was beaten with a rod. Once, I, I, I talked to people about Paul's message of faith, and they said, yeah, but how about all that stuff? I mean, it's just like the Frankenstein comes out of them. They just want to get all spooky and weird. Oh, you know, so turn your collar up, your bolts are showing. Thrice I was beaten with rods. Once I was on, I know I didn't get enough spankings, but thrice I suffered shipwrecked and I suffered shipwrecked a night and a day I've been in the deep. All true. But Paul told us five times this is how fools talk. In journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of Gloom, despair, and agony on me. I'm not making fun of the Bible. He already told us this wasn't the Lord. This is fool's talk. Anybody learn anything tonight? Come on, let me see your hand. You learn anything? Am I helping you? Perils in the wilderness and perils in the sea and perils among false brethren. You You know how many books I've read that had this junk in here, this stuff in here, as though this was gospel? This is how you're supposed to preach the gospel. Tell them how they're going to have to suffer. Heck, I'm suffering just listening to you. In weariness, painfulness, and watchings often, and hunger and thirst, and fastings often, and cold and nakedness, beside those things which are without, those things which come upon me daily, the care of all the churches. How many times have we heard that just, oh, Paul, the care of all the churches. Like that. He already told us. Already told us. He already told us. It's all true. But only fools talk about it all the time. Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is offended and I burn? This is not like Pauline doctrine. Paul was in prison. I mean, in, in, in the dungeon. The and I've been there in Rome. You all sent us there. He didn't write stuff like this even when he's in prison waiting around in sewer water. He writes, we are seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Come on, can I have a good amen? I must needs glory. I will glory in the things which concern my infirmities. Talking like fools talk. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is blessed forever, knows I'm not lying. This is all true. 
In Damascus, the governor under Aretas, the, the king, kept the city of the Damascenes with a garrison desirous to apprehend me. And through a window in a basket was I let down by the wall and escaped his hands. It is not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. Don't, don't pay attention to that chapter break because he's not through talking like a fool yet. He, uh, he already said so. He tells us when he gets done. You'll be shocked. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago. Whether in the body I cannot tell. Or whether out of the body I cannot tell. See, he's talking the way these fools came and talked to the Corinthians. Tell them how much they knew. How much, how bold they were. How much they'd suffered. He said, all right, I'll just be one of the fools. Let me just tell you what I've gone through. Bear with me. This is not the Lord. This is just me talking like the fool's talk that you listen to and you suffer them gladly. Let them compare themselves against me. They want to compare. That's what he's doing. He's laying a comparison out there. And he says it's foolish to do it. But this is what you wanted. So I knew a man in Christ. Look at verse 3. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. Verse 4. How that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Why are you talking about it then? Because you're talking like a fool. It's the way fools do. I went to heaven. Give me money. I'm not saying anybody who's been to heaven necessarily is a fool. I'm saying these guys were, were telling these kind of stories to get money out of them. That's what he said. I preached the gospel for free. Did that offend you somehow? That's what he said to him. How, how did I offend you? Look at this. Verse 5. Of such a one will I glory, yet of myself I will not. Funny, you're saying that. You've been glorying about yourself the whole time here. Huh? Why? This is not really Paul. This is Paul talking like fools talk. Although I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool. For I will say the truth. But now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth to me, be in me, or heareth of me. Hang on, I'm not done. And lest I should be exalted above measure, through the abundance of the revelation, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. All true. For this thing I besought the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Look at verse 11. I am become a fool in glorying. You compelled me. Wow. Now he's not just talking like fools. Now he says, I've become one of them. And you made me do it. I told you he's going to learn some things out of chapter 11 and 12. Start talking like a fool, now I've become one. It's all your fault. That's what he's telling the Corinthians. 
This is kind of, this is kind of preaching you want? I mean, it's like he said, is this really what you want? This is the kind of preaching you want? You want me to make it all about me and all I've suffered? Are you kidding? Wow, it's good stuff, isn't it? I've become a fool in glory, and you've compelled me. For I ought to have been commended of you. You ought to be bragging about me. You ought to be telling people about me. I ought to have been commended of you. I want you to Jesus. I ought not to have to do this. For in nothing am I behind the very chiefest of apostles, though I be nothing. Now, now, now Paul's talking again. Right? Here, here's the Paul we know. Truly the signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all patience and signs and wonders and mighty deeds. For what is it wherein you were inferior to other churches, except it be that I myself was not burdensome among you? Forgive me this wrong. I think that's about as strong an indictment as I've ever seen against a church who likes sideshows. I'm not talking about you. And who will allow people to come and talk about all they've said. I've, I've tried to tell missionaries through the years when we had missionaries in. I said, please don't come talk about how hard it is. Don't come talk about how hard it is. And don't come gripe our people out because we have nice buildings. And they drive up in fine cars. Don't come here and make my people feel guilty. Because if you do, I will cut your money off. Don't come here and tell me how much you've suffered, how bad it's been for you out there. Don't try to make us feel sorry for you because I don't. Because all you've got to do is get a plane ticket home. If you're going to be a crybaby about it, then I don't want a crybaby out there on the mission field. Amen. You come in and tell us what you've seen Jesus do. You come in. You come tell us what you have seen Jesus Christ of Nazareth do out there where you are. Make us, make us, you tell us the signs and wonders and miracles. You tell us the soul saved. Don't come in, there, don't come in here and try to get money out of us by showing us how bad you've had it. Because all I'm going to do is call you a fool. I'm not going to put up with that. I'm not going to have that garbage. That's the Apostle Paul. That's what he's addressing. And that kind of Frankenstein preaching goes on and It goes on everywhere. And they glorify this as though all this is God talking. And he told us right up front, this is not the Lord talking. I'm showing you how fools preach. I didn't make it up. I didn't even write it. It showed you it was there and what he's really, really saying. All that business about his thorn in the flesh, all that's part of it. All that business about what he suffered, all that's part of it. Well, what about Paul? Man, you know how many times people say, well, what about Paul's thorn in the flesh? <sighs> about time somebody tell you the truth. Paul was victorious. He lived a victorious life because he lived in a covenant that Jesus had made with him to make him more than a conqueror. He didn't make us more than conquerors and not make Paul one. He didn't give us a covenant of healing and not give Paul one. He didn't make us the head and not the tail and not make Paul the head and not the tail. Are you hearing me? Amen. Come on. Amen. All that stuff that he did endure, he got from the devil. Why is he going to go around talking about all that, all that the devil did to him? It said he was a minister of Satan. He'd just soon not even talk about what the devil did. I mean, 
mentioned here and there, of course. You're going to, you're going to, yeah, of course, there's going to be mentioned here and there, but not whole sermons on it, not full chapters on it, unless you're trying to, trying to show a church that has been brainwashed by, hmm? That's what this whole thing has been leading up to for several chapters here in 2 Corinthians. That's what the whole thing's been leading up to that very moment. So they, Paul could compare these fools to him. Because they've been always challenging his authority, just like people today challenge Paul's authority. Huh? Can I say something to you? Say it like I really want to say it. They're a bunch of fools. A bunch of fools. Praise God. How many of you glad you're hearing this teaching tonight? Wow. I want to back up and just give you a bit here. Now, I've told you that this is all true stuff, right? It's all true stuff. It really happened this way. It's just something that they forced him to talk about, which he didn't have any intention of talking about, except they were these people that he had to compare himself to because they forced his hand, the Corinthians. And he's just reestablishing his authority with that church. He's when it. You know, saying, so, so when they tell you how much they've suffered, you drag, you drag this letter out. <laughs> when they tell you how much they've suffered for you and how much they care for the churches, you drag this letter out. Okay? So here it is. Problem is we misunderstood it. Misunderstood it. Years and years and years gone by. Just misunderstood the whole thing. Didn't even know what he said. And he tells us, how many times did he say he's talking like fools talk here? Huh? Five, six? Just don't even want to see that. Don't even know what it means. It changes the whole meaning of the whole thing if you don't, don't act like it's there. Okay. Now look here. Verse 8 of chapter 12. For this thing I besought the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And He said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather glory in infirmities. Listen to this. That part where he said, what happened? I prayed three times for this thing to go from me. And the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you. You know how many times the devil has tempted me to use that as a cop-out, not to press and grow my faith for my own healing? Has it ever happened to you? Come on, be honest. It's happened to me. I thought, well, you know, Paul had a thorn in the flesh. I mean, he prayed three times, and Jesus said, finally said, stop praying, I'm not going to heal you. That's what I thought that said until I read it like it says it. Let's read it one more time. I pray, I besought the Lord three times for this, that it might depart from me. And he said, that is Jesus said, my grace is sufficient. Now, whoa, 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 whoa. Why is it that we always hear Jesus say, no, I'm going to give you grace instead? Why do we always hear that in our head? Jesus said, no, Paul. You've asked three times. The answer is no. But I'm going to be gracious to you. Hey, let me ask you something. What does grace mean? Undeserved favor. So Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, but died in the flood anyway. 
Did he? When he found grace in the eyes of the Lord, what happened to him? He got delivered. For by grace are you saved, but you're going to hell anyway. Come on, can I have a better amen here? When you got saved by grace, that means you don't go to hell. That means you've been delivered. Why do we put no, I'm going to give you grace instead there in our minds? Where did we ever get this perverted way of looking at grace? When Jesus said, I'm going to give, my grace is sufficient, he was saying, my grace is big enough to heal you. Glory to God. The answer isn't no, Paul. I'm giving you grace. The answer is okay, Paul. Well, why did he have to pray three times? Because that just proves it's just like you and me. Maybe, maybe the first time he prayed, his, his faith level was here. And the second time he prayed, his faith level was here. The third time he prayed, and you don't know that, that he was asking the Lord. And it says he besought the Lord three times that it might be removed from him. But, you know, maybe it was that third time where his faith really kicked in. We don't know. We don't know. But I know I've prayed about things more than once. And I know, I know if you pray about it more than once, you weren't in faith the first time. Well, I'm, willing, I'm, I'm sometimes willing to admit that. Amen. Right? <laughs> I'm willing to admit it. I, yeah, I wasn't in faith the first time. This, one, this time, I'm, you know, I've arrived or, or whatever. But... <laughs> He besought the Lord three times, and Jesus said, My grace is sufficient. Well, I think we're going to pick it up right there next time. Miss Ann, what time is it? 8.10? I want to pray for you tonight. Did everybody understand what we talked about here tonight? I don't want you to misunderstand and act like I don't believe that the Bible is the Bible. The Bible is the Bible. Yes, it's the Word of God. But you know and I know, sometimes he tells us, this is not the Lord, this is me talking. But he's got to tell us real clear. And that whole passage, all of chapter 11, part of chapter 12, maybe even part of chapter 10, but he doesn't, because he mentions foolishness in chapter 10. So <clears throat> I, just hearing me read it like that, and that's basically all we did, we just read it like it really Sounds like it says it. You're probably thinking, where on earth did you get that? Well, I just have to tell you, <clears throat> I don't read a lot of books. Because I don't know enough about this book yet. When I, when I know what this book teaches, then I might read something that somebody else wrote. But I rarely ever read books. Now my wife, she reads everybody's books. And she tells me all about it. But I'm just telling you, she's... <laughs> No, she's a Bible reader too. I'm just playing. She, <laughs> she's a she's a Bible reader, but uh, honestly, I I just don't read. You know, I did a lot of reading in my education, but I, I rarely ever read books. I know how to study, and I study the Bible, chew it verse by verse, line by line. What is this saying? I am convinced that if you will fall in love with the Word of God. Amen that he will begin to reveal to you. Miss Ann and I pray for you almost every single day. Father, grant to Cornerstone Worship Center, the people that are under our charge, grant to them a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ. That's how these kind of things come out. That's how you see them. 
as it begins to make sense, the Bible comes clear. And all the contradictions you thought were there, they all just go away. Praise be to God. Amen. Once again, thanks for joining Cornerstone Worship Center's Building a Better Life. For information about our church, service times, and additional resources, we invite you to check us out on the web at www.abetterlife4.us. God bless you.